Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. Today we want to talk about, like I said, with Matthew 23, 23 in the backdrop, that we are going to be more concerned about justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And this is a very, very popular story that we've heard. But I, I kind of want to open it up a little bit and show us some things about how that is really, really apropos to our time today. Luke 10, uh, starting at verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbors as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Okay. All right. So this is, thank you, babe. This is the story of the good, the parable of the good Samaritan. So we want to go into this story a little bit and give us a little backdrop so we can understand how powerful and how controversial Jesus responding with this story was in this time. If you're familiar with the biblical text, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't really get along. The Bible says that the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. Okay? So let's understand this and let's try to look at it in our own context. All right? As you look at the world today, as you look at society there are different cultures, different races, different cultural backgrounds. Similarly, here the Samaritans were also Jews, but they were half-breeds. 
So what happened was after captivity, after the people were in captivity, some of the Jews actually married and intermingled with other races. And they actually settled in Samaria and built their own temple and had their own way of life. They did not come to Jerusalem to worship where all the rest of the purebred Jews were. So there was this division. And history tells us, and you do some research on it, that the rift between the two people was, was deeper than just a cultural difference. This was really the purebred people who thought they were better than the people who intermingled. Also, the history tells us that the contention between these two people got so bad that when the Jews were building the temple in Jerusalem, the Samaritans would come down from Samaria because they had their own temple, and they would basically take dead pigs and put the dead pigs on the property where the temple was and basically defile the construction. So this would cause the Jews to have to come back and stop construction and go through that whole thing. So saying this to say that there is a history of contention between Jews and Samaritans. This is well known. Now let's set the precedent. Jesus is also a Jew. And in this text, he's talking to Jews. And in this direct conversation, he's talking to a teacher or someone who is a scholar in the law. So he's talking to basically a lawyer. He's talking to someone who actually knows the law. So the lawyer comes up to ask Jesus to bait him. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The quintessential religious posture of, yeah, God, I'm, I'm doing all these good things and I'm following the law, but I, I want to hear you tell me that I'm following it. So, so let me ask you this question. Uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks him, knowing who he is, knowing that he, knowing his motives, asks him, well, what, what's written in the law? How do you read it? Now, I, I think right there is a point where we can kind of chew on for a second there. Like, as we are walking with Jesus, it's very important how we interpret our walk and how we interpret the message that Christ is trying to share with us. As the church, and we talked about this last time, it's very important for us to take a responsibility and accountability that how the world sees us as representatives of Christ is how they're going to interpret God. So if people see a very superficial lifestyle, a very superficial religious way of living, they're going to attribute that to what God cares about. They're going to attribute that to God. So Jesus basically says, okay, well, you know the law. How do you read the law? And he says, well, the law says, Jesus, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Congrats. That's it. You, that's exactly what the law says. Congratulations. That's it. Jesus tells him, you have answered correctly. Then he says, if you just do this, then you'll have eternal life. Good. But because of the pride of this, this guy here, he, he, he's, he's the top of the top now. He, he's, he's the top of the top Jew here, right? He comes back to Jesus, and the Bible says in verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus replies, not with a straight answer, but he replies with this story. Now, I think we need to kind of look at Jesus 
posture towards um, understanding who our neighbors are. Okay, in this context, and when you look at the, the the history of this particular context, the Jews at this time, because they were purebred, these Jews, they were purebred. They believed their definition of their neighbor was people that looked like them. It was people that shared their same culture, shared their same heritage, shared their same experiences. It was their people. My neighbor is the people that look like me, the people that sound like me, the people that know everything I know, the, the culture that I'm a part of, the society that I'm a part of, these are my neighbors. So his interpretation of what Jesus said would merit eternal life was limited to his own understanding and his own bias and his own definition of what neighbor is. And we think about this in the context of our own realities here. He's asking Jesus a question. Who is my neighbor? How hard is it for you to love someone, for you to respect someone, for you to honor someone, for you to look at someone as valuable that looks just like you? Someone who looks like you, who probably hasn't offended you like this. Someone who looks like you that probably is not a perpetrator of the crimes against you and your people. Yeah, and I was just going to add, just like in the general sense, when you're dealing with the word neighbor, you think of the people that live in proximity to where you live. Yeah. So you, you think of it like, oh, okay, we all have a vested interest in the area we live in. If you live next to me, that means you do something. We're both eligible mm -hmm. to live in this area. Mm -hmm. Like we both fulfill the requirements yeah. to be able to live where we live. So we're all okay because we're living here. So you're mm -hmm. my neighbor because I live next to you, mm -hmm. because we have a similar house. We live in a, the same neighborhood, which means we probably drive the same type of car. Yeah. So th there's that sort of baseline that comes with thinking of a neighbor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, of course, that definition would cause this man to be like, right. I got that done, Lord. I'm good with that. Mind you, the Lord knows the history. Mm. And the Lord has a higher definition of what neighborly means. What, what, who, your, who your neighbor is has a higher definition. So Jesus basically goes through this whole story and he tells this story, and um, some scholars say that this story is is could have very well been Jesus actually telling about an actual person. Okay, he could have actually been telling. This wasn't just like a story that he made up. This was something that he was actually, you know, sharing as a result of of using this as an example. So the story goes that a certain man from uh, was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now. Remember, Jesus is telling this story to Jews, and Jesus is a Jew too. So it's the same history with the Samaritans that Jesus seems to have the uh, backing of history too. There's a justification of we have no dealings with Samaritans, and that we could include Jesus because Jesus is also a Jew. Now, from the assumption of the listeners, the person who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho was also a Jew. And the Bible says that he was attacked by robbers. 
Now, there was, and this is a little bit of history, on the route from Jerusalem to down to Jericho, there was this long, notorious patch of terrain that was very treacherous. And it was known for robbers to hide out, but it was the main way to get to where you would want to go in that region. And this man, Jesus tells the story about this man going down there and being attacked. And he was beaten, he was stripped, he was robbed, and he was left half dead. And it so happens that a priest comes by the same road and saw the man, but he passed on the other side. Now, th th this priest represents the people who, you know, have it all together. This is the church people. This is the people who are religious. These are the people who kind of know the law. And, 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 and the, the, the bad thing about this situation is because the man was in such a, a state of, of bleeding and death or whatever, uh, the priest didn't want to defile himself. The priest didn't want to be, be around anything that would get, his, get him dirty. So he walked on the other side to basically prefer pleasing God over helping this man. And this is what God wants us to kind of see and Jesus wants us to kind of see here is that, you know, it's possible for you to get so caught up in doing the right things to please God and doing the right things religiously and doing the right things by going to church and, and doing your duties, but yet passing by people who are dying and half dead and you as a human being not see them as a neighbor, but you see them as someone who is not on the same level as you. Now notice this, right? The priest most likely was a Jew. And the man who was hurt was most likely a Jew. And a lot of us know what it feels like to be hurt by people that look like you too. So it's possible to be hurt by people that look like you. So if we if it's easier to love your neighbor, is that consistently true? Because many of us have been hurt by people that look just like us, that sound just like us, that act just like us. So your definition of neighbor and loving your neighbor is also not a pure definition because you can be hurt by the very neighbors that you prefer. So this is Jesus telling this story like, okay, all right, so you ask me who your neighbor is? Okay, well, let's see. Um, you're on the side of the road. You beat up, you're robbed. Your Jewish neighbor priest comes by and doesn't even help you. As a matter of fact, he doesn't ask if you're okay. He runs across the other side so that he doesn't get his robe dirty. Then somebody else comes. Then the Levite comes. Oh, another, another Jew. Another Jew that knows the law. A another one of your brothers, another one of your neighbors come by. And what, what does he do? He too came and saw him, looked at you, and passed you by. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was and saw him and took pity on him and went to him. He put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And then the next day, took money out of his pocket, gave him two paychecks, gave it to the innkeeper for his room and board, and told the innkeeper to go look after him. And if he needs any more money to take care of this man, take care of it. Now this man 
was not his neighbor by definition. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is asking us that when you look out into the world and you look out into society and you look at other people's races and you look at other cultures and you look at other people who have offended us and other people who we quote unquote justifiably have every reason to be biased against. The challenge that Jesus is saying is that is your neighbor and pigeonholing yourself into just limiting your perception to your own preferred people can play a role in you not even getting the help that you need. Like you are boxing yourself in and limiting yourself from experiencing the possibility of God's grace and mercy being shown through someone you don't prefer because of a history. Now this is, this is coming from Jesus who, whose history is also that of their, his people don't have dealings with Samaritans. So this is, this, is, this is like really a challenge to all of us in this climate of Black Lives Matter and in this climate of Me Too and this climate of all these different things that are really demonic influences to cause division rather than unity. Like all of these things are not to say that we are to respect our, of course, God is calling us all to respect and honor our differences, else he would have made us all the same race. But preferring your differences over somebody else's, respecting your culture over somebody else's, respecting your race over somebody else's is a formula for division and it's not Jesus' definition of what it means to love your neighbor. And this is what Jesus is saying. And looking at the climate right now in our world, it's very easy to see how divisive this is. You cannot make it in this world without other people. Every environment that we're in, we are challenged to get along and cooperate with people that don't look like us. No man is an island to themselves. So Jesus is, is, is challenging this whole idea of what it means to be a neighbor and even beyond, good morning, my neighbor. It's, it's a little further than, good morning, how you, how you today at, at the mailbox or at the water cooler, how you doing? This is seeking out ways to demonstrate neighborly love from the eyes of mercy. Now look what happens. Jesus tells this man, answers his question, who is my neighbor? He, asks, he answers his question, he says, well, Look at this Samaritan. The Samaritan who you hate was actually the one to stop on the road when your very people didn't stop. And it wasn't like it was the people who you would think would stop because of their relationship with God and the law. It was the very people whose hearts should have been grieved to see you hurting and help you. But in, in essence, it was the Samaritan that, that did it. So it was the half-breed that actually helped. And he didn't just help. He, he, he didn't just help. He, he went the extra mile. He took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, getting that infection, making sure it don't get infected. Then he put him on his own donkey. That's a personal expense. 
and said, and then the next day. So he stayed with this man to make sure that he was okay. Now, now, what what is what is the Lord trying to tell us about like the the, the racial barriers and and the background and the cultural differences that cause us to quote unquote have no dealings with each other? And what what that does is that attitude of no dealings blinds us from the opportunity to have pity. Blinds us from the opportunity to see people as human beings and seeing what's common to us. The truth is, most people, you, where, like you said before, where you come from, that's your experience. Mm-hmm. That's what you identify with and relate to. So I'm, I'm pretty sure across the board, mm-hmm. no matter what the race, no matter what socioeconomic mm-hmm. background, you deem the people you identify with as your neighbor, Mm -hmm. and you don't relate much to anybody else, Mm -hmm. no matter who it is. And everybody has an experience where they can say, we've been downcast or we've been uh, discriminated against, we've been um, mistreated because of that. Mm -hmm. And that has caused us to identify with only our kind. Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, you know, of course we have our own story, but there are other people who have other stories too that yeah. we, including myself, have been guilty of perpetrating mm-hmm. or being the cause of someone else feeling that way. Mm-hmm. 100% right. So this is why Jesus levels the playing field and says, neighbor is inclusive to everyone. And the proof of being neighborly is your ability to have mercy on each other especially when there's a need. Especially when there's a need, that takes precedence over traditional religion. That takes precedence over what we do to make ourselves feel like we're closer to God. No, you're closer to God when you can have pity on someone that may not look like you and actually overextend yourself to be a blessing because that's what God did. That's what Jesus did. That's the whole purpose. This is what, so Jesus is telling this to one of his brothers. He's telling this to somebody who is also a Jew. And he's talking about, he's, he's using and making the, he- the hero in this story is the person that's outcast. The hero in this story, the one who shows mercy, was the one who would, he wouldn't consider a neighbor. It's not, even, it's not even close. How is this person? And think about how controversial this is for Jesus to answer his question with this story. And what is Jesus saying to us today? That we have to broaden our definition of what it means to be a neighbor. Broaden our definition of what it means to not have biases, to not prefer one person over another. But then also what it means and what it looks like to actually love Mm -hmm. your neighbor. Because that Mm -hmm. was the commandment that was posed. That, That was the thought that was posed. Yep. And this illustration or parable was used to illustrate mm-hmm. this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's three, three little things that I wanted to kind of just tie this up with. Okay. The first thing that this kind of story teaches us is we need to respect people for their faith in God, not their cultural or language background. So many times the language and the cultural differences and all these other things, societal differences, causes us to set a standard of how we're going to respect people when a lot of times these people believe in the same God you do. Mm -hmm. 
They may not serve the same way. They may not worship the same way. They may not express the same way, but they were serving the same God. And someone who has a heart of God, who has a concern for God, who can see the world from God's perspective, would seek to see the commonality in God, and that's what makes us brothers and sisters. The fact that we both love Jesus, no matter where we come from. Second thing, believing that God's goodness is for everybody. Believing that no matter what, God's word, God's goodness, the gospel is for every person, even the persons that we do not click with and we don't prefer. And if the good news of the gospel is for those people, then so is the mercy of God. Then so is the grace of God. Then so is us overextending ourselves because they're a child of God in need. And it's possible for us to look past our own personal feelings and offenses to be a vessel that God can use to show his love to that person. And then the last thing is treating people of cultural and different language groups equally. Now, this is a challenge because, like you said, babe, a lot of us have experienced a form of oppression. The common denominator has to be, in God's eyes, we are all equal. And in God's eyes, he wants us to treat one another like that. So what the challenge was, Jesus was telling these, this Jewish uh, lawyer, is the same challenge he was telling the people who were listening to the story, and it was the same challenge that he's telling us today. How much longer are you going to allow the history to blind you from God's love and the gospel being available to everybody? When is it going to allow you to push past the hurt and the pain, to see this person, these people, as people who are also worthy of God's grace and mercy. And then beyond that mindset, are you willing, do you love God enough to have pity if you see a need, to overextend yourself beyond your comfort level, to be the hands and feet of Christ in that person or those people's lives? So Jesus asked this guy plainly, okay? So I'm telling you this story. Now, who do you think in this story demonstrated the most neighborly behavior? And without any hesitation, the, the, the man had to say it, it, it was the one who showed mercy, which was obviously the Samaritan. It was the one who overextended himself, who was also one who experienced, if he was a Samaritan, he experienced the same history and conflict that the Jew did. So this is what the Lord is saying, like the one who had mercy. And Jesus' last command to this man is, go and do the same thing. You go and do the same thing that this Samaritan did. Now, what is Jesus calling this man to do and these people to do? Put the history and the offense and the contention and all that to the background. Put all of that stuff to the background and go show mercy. 
Put all this other stuff. Oh, we're we're closer to God. No, we're closer to God. No, we're closer to God. No, but we do this in this temple. No, we do this in this temple. Put all that back there and just do this. Because in doing this, then you will end up fulfilling the law. Love the Lord with your heart. All your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the question that, that we ended with is, Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? I mean, this is a soul-searching kind of thing today, like as we're thinking about just the world and everything that we're hearing and everything that's being, uh, that we're being uh, bombarded with as far as who to not like and this and that and all this other stuff is going on. We're, we're, we're getting more uh, divided. The Lord is asking, who's your neighbor? And he's asking you for his definition. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the LifeHouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.